Lord God, we bow down to you and we thank you so much, Lord, for being our God. Thank you for saving us, Lord, and the salvation that we find in the cross through you, Jesus Christ. We're grateful that we can be here this morning to open the Bible, Lord, and seek you in your word. And we ask for your Holy Spirit to come and speak through your word, God. Lord, I pray that there will be words or phrases that jump out of the pages in front of us and that would go directly and speak to our hearts, that we would be impacted heavily, Lord, that it would transform us, that it would heal us, Lord, that it would free us, that it would speak loudly, Lord, in a way, God, that, Lord, we, we would live more for you more than ever and that we would fall in love with you more and more and more. So, Jesus, we ask for your touch upon this this message today, God, our study, Lord, and we pray for your Holy Spirit's anointing, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a billionaire who collected alligators in a pool was hosting this very large party. Well, he made a special announcement at, at the end of this event. He said, if anyone can swim across the pool full of dangerous alligators and make it to the other side unharmed, I will give, the, give that person a million dollars or I will build that person a house of their dreams. Well, just as he was finishing this announcement, just as his words were finishing here, a loud splash was heard. Then a man frantic frantically swam across the pool, nearly being chomped to death as the crowd cheered him on. Miraculously, he made it to the other side, unharmed, pulling himself out of the pool, flopping down on the deck, totally exhausted. You did it, shouted the billionaire. That was amazing. Wow, you proved yourself to be some kind of hero. So, what do you choose, the million dollars or a house of your dreams? Well, still catching his breath, the man replied, I don't want your money, I don't want the house, I just want to know one thing, who pushed me in? <laughs> a reluctant hero, superhero there. Well, as we come to our last study in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul closes this letter to the Corinthian believers with some final thoughts that inspire them to be spiritual superheroes. And that's actually the title of my message. I like that. Spiritual superheroes. We're going to be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 16 from verse 13 through 24. We're going to finish this chapter. We're going to finish this book today. Our out, yeah, woohoo! Our outline to this morning is this: number one, by spiritual, be super spiritual heroes. Actually, by living the life. Number two, by laboring in love, and number three, by looking for the Lord. So let's begin here: spiritual superheroes, be super spiritual heroes by living the life. By living the life. Let's take a look with me here now. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Paul says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. In verse 14, let all that you do be done with love. We'll stop right here. Paul begins here now writing how the Corinthian believers are to live this Christian life 
for Jesus by living their life. That's the life, the Christian life. Now, last week we saw in his final thoughts in this chapter, right, how he asked the Corinthian believers, and this was the outline last time, remember, give help, go serve, grow up, right? Give help through the collection for the Jerusalem church and go serve like Paul's heart and his plans, how he served the Lord. And, and the third thing we saw was grow up so that the Corinthian believers would grow up into spiritual maturity from their immaturity, especially giving hospitality to Timothy and the other visitors that come. And we, we titled our message last week, Turning, Turn Problems into Opportunities. Well, Paul is now continuing on, wrapping up this letter he wrote to the Corinthian believers. And here begins by saying five things about living the life. And this is what's listed here in these two verses. And we're going to go through this. The first thing he mentions here in verse 13 is the word watch. He says watch. Watch means to be alert. It means be on your guard. In other words, watch out for your spiritual well-being. So watch in that manner. Remember how this letter addressed how the Corinthian believers are basically, to me, spiritually, spiritually sick. They were immature. They were worldly, right? We saw these aspects in this letter from the beginning. How they were carnal. How they were selfish. How they were self-seeking, prideful. They're just all messed up, right? They're giving in to the temptations and attacks of Satan so easily. So Paul, right here, he's closing up the letter. And he, and he brings this, this, these five things here. And the first thing is watch. Paul calls on these believers to watch. Now, don't let your guard down spiritually don't let your guard down spiritually watch in that way i mean we have enough battles to do right our own flesh the world around us and that's exactly what the corinthian believers are fighting even even satan himself and and his attacks and temptations peter wrote in first peter chapter 5 verse 8 be sober-minded be watchful then he wrote, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So Paul, with this understanding of what this whole letter was about, speaking to the Corinthian believers, Paul's like, hey, watch, you guys. Don't let your guard down spiritually. Watch, watch, watch. Then secondly, he said, stand fast in faith. This is the second thing. Stand fast means be firm, be determined in the original language, and in the faith. Now, the faith here speaks of what you believe in. It's not talking about, oh, trusting the Lord when in times of trial, I'm going to hold on in faith. No, he's really talking in regards to the truth of the doctrine of salvation. A lot of what he's talked about, we saw in chapter 15, the gospel, right? He brought him back to basics and the resurrection of the Lord. So when he says, stand fast in the faith, Paul calls on believers to stand true to your convictions on who God is, who you are in Jesus. All that, all this truth that really we find in the Bible and what Paul has presented in this letter, which is the truth of God, right? So Paul calls on believers to stand true, stand fast, be determined to your convictions on who God is and who you are in Jesus. I remember uh, talking with a parent one time about her. Uh, we have this phrase, right? Strong-willed 
child, right? We, we understand what that is. You know, we, we know what that means. A child is stum- stubborn, yeah? They actually stand fast in doing what they want to do, not what the parents want, right? They stand their ground, stick, sticking to their own thing. That's that strong-willed child. Well, think about this this way. Paul is like saying, hey, have a strong will in what you believe in. Be a strong-willed child in the sense in what you believe in and what the world and the enemy wants to, wants to turn our minds into. The influences all around you influencing you away from the truth of God. So Paul's like, have a strong will. Be a strong-willed child in what you believe in. Do not compromise in what's right and wrong. Do not compromise in how you live your life. So stand fast in the faith. Number three, the third thing here is this, be brave. Be brave. Brave means to be bold, be courageous. You know, the funny thing in the old King James Version, in that translation, it puts this not be brave, it it puts this as act like men. I like that. It's a good one for men's retreat, yeah. Act like a man, you guys, you know. The idea is, is, you know, be a grown-up about this. You know, don't be a scared little child in that sense. So be brave. Paul calls on believers to not be afraid to stand up and live like Jesus. Be brave. Be courageous. Paul calls on believers to not be afraid to stand up and live like Jesus. Warren Wiersbe, or uh, I'm sorry, William Barclay in his commentary said, these directives have a military background. That's the idea in all of this. And Barclay says, in time of battle, play a hero's part. I like that. Be brave. Be a hero. See, be a, a spiritual superhero here Paul is calling us to be. The fourth thing he says here now in in our first verse we're looking at is be strong. Be strong. The Greek word is actually karatioo, which means to be strengthened inwardly. I like that thought. He's saying be strong from the inside, from from your heart, from everything inside of you. And it's not talking about mustering up this, this, this strength from inside of you, but it's that strength that comes from the Lord himself right it's from him paul calls on believers to become superhuman how by relying upon god to empower you that's how we can be spiritual superheroes right from the lord it's not us right of course right we know we, we know the movies and the avengers it's not that, well anyway it, but it, anyway or or right but it it, it it it's the superhuman strength and we get it from relying upon god to empower you there's that old tale of a mouse walking with an elephant over this wooden bridge across the river after crossing the bridge getting to the other side the mouse looked back to see that wooden bridge like swaying back and forth the mouse then said to the elephant wow we really shook that bridge reality of the elephant right well that's the idea without god We can only accomplish a little, but with God, we can really shake things up. Paul wrote in Ephesians 6.10, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So be strong. Paul calls on believers to become superhuman by relying upon God to empower you. All right, so we've seen here in this first verse five things. Watch. 
Stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. And then the fifth thing that Paul puts out here is in verse 14. Let all that you do be done with love. So you want, you want to be a spiritual superhero? This is important, this fifth thing in verse 14. Paul says, let all you do, right? Watching, standing fast, being brave, strong, everything that you do, everything in your whole life, let it all have one underlying layer. And you know what that is? Love. Let it be love. The word there in the Greek is agape, right? And we understand it, unconditional love. Remember how the Corinthian believers, they were loveless, right? They really were. They were divisive. They're causing division. They're, they made cliques within their body of who they follow. They were very proud and judgmental and critical about one another and all that. Well, remember how Paul spent the most important chapter in this book. Remember that? Chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13, on what agape love is. We did five studies in that chapter, if you remember. So Paul brings it up. Hey, remember, let all that you do be done with love. Let, let, let that all be, be, be part of that. So Paul reminds the believers to live in and move in the atmosphere of love. I like to think about it that way. We need to live in that atmosphere of love. We need to move in that atmosphere of love. I was thinking about our atmosphere. You know, we know this, right? In the air, we, what, the air that we breathe is made up of what? 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen, and 1% carbon dioxide and argon. But the air we, believe, we breathe is, is vital to our living, right? It's so important. And when things get messed up, it, it's, it's a little hard. Like VOG, right? Our volcanic fog, right? So it's, it contains sulfur dioxide and other gases emitted from the volcano, reacts with the oxygen and moisture and, and the sunlight, and we see it on our island when, when the wind shifts, right? We, we know about that. And sometimes it's hard on our breathing. Some of us are affected more than, and than and other people. You know, recently with all that's been going on on the big island, I heard a new term, and, uh, and, and I, I don't even remember, but we heard this uh, term we heard recently with the eruptions there in Kilauea is lays, right? It's lays. It's not lazy it's lays <laughs> but it's lava and haze put together right what happens i was reading when the hot lava hits the cool ocean it first creates that steam yeah and then and then there's a chemical reaction where the lava turns into glass that shatters into tiny pieces and actually is carried up with that steam into the air and on top of it on top of that, the cloud itself contains hydrochloric acid with that sulfur and the water mixing together, which is, they say, as corrosive as diluted battery acid. Crazy, huh? So uh, you can see why it irritates the skin, your eyes, your breathing. It can affect you in that way. So th that's like bad air right there in that way. Well, think how unbearable it is to live in that kind of atmosphere. We couldn't, right, of lays. No, we need the pure air. Well, think about this. this. In the same way, believers cannot live and move in an atmosphere of, say, anger, 
say bitterness. Say that atmosphere of, of like the Corinthians were real judgmental, critical all the time. Yeah? They cannot survive. Believers cannot survive in that way. Only the pure spiritual air, that atmosphere of love. That's what's needed, you guys. For our body, for our, our church, for, for us and our, our relationships with one another. Paul's reminding us, believers here, to live in and move in, in that atmosphere of love. That's important. Okay, with these two verses, you know what? We can all be spiritual superheroes by living the Christian life in all these five things. You and I, we can do that. This is what Paul is putting out. This is what the Bible is saying, what God is saying to us now. We can be spiritual superheroes here by, by watching, by standing fast in the faith, by being brave and being strong, by, by moving in this atmosphere, living in love. We can be living this life, the life here of a spiritual superhero by doing all these things. We, we've seen it. We see it in our, the great saints of the past. We see it in our, our, the apostles here and the stories in the Bible of the characters, the people who really committed to live in this manner. That's what God is calling us to, you know. Will you heed that call? Will you take each of these elements and really put them into your life? I'll tell you, you'll become a spiritual superhero. You can be. And it's simple. Five things right here. You know, I read about a man named uh, Azam who lives in Somalia. He was born and raised a Muslim. And as a Muslim, he began to s have these dreams of Jesus. When he asked his imam, that the spiritual leader of his town, the imam berated him and beat him. When his mother found out, she sent him away for his own safety. He, it, it, it said he walked for miles and miles, certain his father would never find him, but somehow his father did. His father was actually a powerful warlord. He sent Azam a package. Shockingly, inside the package was his mother cut up into small pieces and placed in a bag. With this package was a photo of her kneeling in front of two men with knives raised over her uh, inside this bag. But on that sad day was the day he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Well, what happened after that was this brave and strong Azam went out to find those two men who had butchered his mother. When he found them, to their surprise, here's Azam standing in his new faith filled with love. Azam forgave them. And he told them, he witnessed to them, he told them that Jesus loves them also and Jesus can forgive you also. Right then, these two men, Mahadi and Yasin, broke down and they received Jesus Christ. Amazing. And then they told Azam, as we killed your mother, her last words were, Jesus, Jesus, I love you. Today, Azam is doing even more amazing, brave things, you know. He smuggles Bibles uh, from Kenya to Somalia, to and from Kenya to Somalia. He does this by lying in the casket under corpses because he knows Somalia Muslims will not open a coffin or touch a dead body. 
Isn't that crazy? But he bravely and faithfully brings the precious word of God to many in Somalia who are desperate to read the Bible. I would say Azam is this spiritual superhero, yeah? Amazing how he could stand up to the killers of his own mother, to love them, forgive them, and witness Christ to them. That's what broke them. Doing the impossible here, living this life as a spiritual superhero is only made possible by Jesus, by the strength and power of God tell you you guys can be the same that's what we're seeing here today you guys could do superhuman things that maybe you never thought you could maybe in your christian life and your your walk with the lord you think oh, i don't know i'm struggling with this i always have a problem with this maybe but i'll tell you do what's written here commit to jesus live for him not yourself anymore and you can do superhuman things i mean i mean I, how many of you like when, when you were a kid like pretended like you were some superhero, right? You know, putting the cape on, yeah. Getting up on the roof and like, I can fly. I know I can fly. And, and mom saying, no, you can't. No, you can't. Get down here right now. No, yeah. But, but you know, sometimes as a little kid, we think, oh, we can be a superhero too. We want to tell you what, you can be a spiritual superhero. And those dreams can't come true because God can use you to do incredible, amazing things you say me i say yeah you you say really i say yeah you you say not me no not you but jesus can have hope look to jesus in these things all right let's move on here to number two by laboring in love by laboring in love be it's be spiritual superheroes number one by living the life and now number two by laboring in love first corinthians 16 verse 15 I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, and that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. We'll stop there. Now, when Paul begins here in verse 15, he says, I urge you. He finishes it later in verse 16 when he says that you also submit to such. And we'll get to that in a moment. But in between here, he mentions the household of Stephanus. Stephanus and his family, basically. And they were, Paul mentions here in verse 15, the first fruits of Achaia. That Achaia is the southern area of Greece where the city of Corinth is located. So the family of Stephanus was the first fruits, the first to come to Jesus Christ when Paul preached the gospel in Achaia, the, in that county, so to speak, in that area. So this was like the first converts. These are the first ones to, to receive Jesus Christ, Stephanus, and the family. We also remember back in 1 Corinthians 1.16, we find in the first part, Paul says, yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. So, so Paul's mentioning them again. And then Paul says, and since that moment, basically, this family have, at the end of verse 15, devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They have put all their life in, in serving into ministry. Paul's saying, hey, these guys are real servants here. So Paul says, I urge you, but wait, before I get to that, 
Paul recognizes this family as true laborers serving the Lord out of love and devotion. They were laboring in love. Interesting, this word devotion here in verse 15 it, it, it is this intense determination. That's what the word really, the ten, the, the, it brings out here, that, that it wasn't just devotion, but it was just an intense determination and devotion. The old King James Version actually translates this word devoted to, with the word addicted. Interesting, isn't it? With the idea of how intense the drive inside of them was to serve Jesus. This is, this is how intense it was in, in their serving the Lord. So when Paul is mentioning these guys, they, they're, they're real laborers. They're really servants here, laboring in their devotion, devotion laboring in love. So, out of respect and honor for the hardworking Stephanus, and uh, uh, Paul urges now, he says, I urge you, uh, the Corinthian believers to verse 16 to also submit to his leadership. Now, some believe that Stephanus was the actual pastor over the Corinthian church. Now, some believe that. So, you can see why Paul's saying, hey, submit to these guys. They're good guys, they're good servants. And the Corinthian believers should submit uh, to others, him and to others who works and labors just like them. Just like them, submit to the leaders who serve with such devotion like that. It's these types of leaders who are committed to serving God are the ones that we should submit to. I like something John MacArthur wrote. In the matter of submission, our primary concern should not be about whom we should be over, but whom we should be under. I like that. Then he says in verse 17, I am glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, for what was lacking on your part they supplied, for they refreshed my spirit and yours, though therefore acknowledge such men. So in that same manner, submitting, acknowledge them, uh, because, you know what, these guys are a blessing to me. Paul mentioned, mentioned Stephanus again and some other guys, Fortunatus and Archaicus, who came to visit Paul. And remember, Paul's in Ephesus right now. That's where he wrote the letter. And they, they, were what, they supplied what was lacking. In other words, their companionship took the place of the Corinthian believers who are not able to be there with Paul. So Paul was blessed that they were there. Um, he loves the Corinthians. He loves to be with them. But hey, they couldn't be there. But these guys were there blessing Paul. For these men had person personally refreshed Paul's spirit as they had yours when they were with you guys. That's what Paul is saying here in verse 18. So appreciate them. Acknowledge these guys. Now, it's believed that Stephanus and these guys who came to Paul they had brought, remember that letter that Paul was answering questions to? We, we have seen this throughout, men, I mentioned this throughout our study. Paul was answering some questions and many of the subjects he covered in, in this First Corinthians book were because of a letter with questions that these guys brought to Paul. And then this letter that Paul wrote, these guys brought back to the church in Corinth. So Paul's like, hey, you know, Acknowledge these guys, you know, uh, submit to these guys because they were a blessing to me. 
I like these guys. Whether it was good news or a bad report, these guys were always a blessing to Paul. Next Sunday, Pastor Ron Hint from Calvary Houston will be here with us. He's actually going to be speaking and sharing. I'll be here. Uh, they, they come annually. They, they get uh, like this timeshare over on the west side. And, but every year, you know, we have him. So he'll be here uh, with us. Later this summer, Pastor Tommy Reese from Okinawa, from Japan ministry, he'll be, he'll be with us. Uh, in between, Fave is going to be here. Uh, he's doing a softball game from Oahu from All Things Possible Ministry. He'll be visiting, and I mentioned we have, we're planning this marriage retreat. And, and you know, for me, I'm always blessed when they come because they're some of my closest friends. And no matter, you know, what I'm going through or what trials or what, what they're going through, w w w the fellowship is always great, yeah? We're always refreshed in our fellowship. And that's what these guys are like, you know, to Paul. And that's what Paul is mentioning. Verse 19, the churches of Asia greet you, Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. So Paul relays a message from the churches of Asia, all the churches that Paul went out and witnessed to as a missionary and started and that have sprout, sprouted out, Paul being Ephesus in that area of Asia now, uh, they, they, they all say, hey, give our greeting, give our blessings, give our well wishes to to the Corinthian church. So they greet you guys too. And then he mentions Aquila and Priscilla. I, I love their names, huh? You know, a husband-wife team, Aquila and Priscilla. You know, God really put them together there, especially the names. Well, they were that hardworking servants, uh, husband and wife team. They were tent makers like Paul. They ministered in many places with Paul, too. So they were really close and good friends of Paul. And Aquila and Priscilla, they, they, they greet you, too. Also, the church in their house. Now, they're really serving even more. They get the church inside their house. Back then, they didn't really have buildings, so churches met in, house, in, uh, in, in houses. And so here's Aquila and Priscilla, Priscilla opening up their place to study the Word of God and worship the Lord. So like the family of Stephanas, I see here Aquila and Priscilla were totally devoted servants of the Lord. You see them whenever you read the Bible, they're always ministering. They're always out there for the Lord. They're always sharing or preaching or doing something for the Lord. And here they got the church in their house. Remember when Paul said, First Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Paul said, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. And certainly Aquila and, and Priscilla were faithful stewards of the ministry given to them. Certainly these guys were faithful. No matter what type of work, no matter the place, no matter how long it takes, may we be found faithful. These guys, Paul mentioning, these are real spiritual superheroes. Then verse 20, all the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. So more greetings are passed from all, all the Christians around him and in the church in Ephesus and all. It's passed on to the, to the believers there in, 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 Corinth, in Corinth. And then Paul encourages here in verse 20 the Corinthian believers to greet one another with a holy kiss. Now it was a common way of greeting one another back then to give a kiss on the, on the, on the cheek and all. So Paul's saying, hey, continue to show your 
agape to one another by the way you greet one another. That's the idea here. Notice it says a holy kiss. You know what that means? That means it, it's not a romantic kind of kiss. Yeah? It's, it's not a fake kiss, but it's a real, genuine, agape love kiss. That's, that's the idea. Uh, this would certainly be an application to the Corinthian church, right? Especially what we saw was written in this letter, the divisiveness, the jealousy. Remember we talked about that? There was that competitiveness of the Corinthian believers in there. So this cultural kiss would be a sincere show of love, a sincere show of forgiveness, of unity, of appreciation to each other. That's the idea here. It, it, was, it, was, it wasn't uh, just this thing that you do, oh, you, bet, you better, you know, uh, uh, culturally, sh you know, show love. But it was a spirit, uh, really a spiritual thing that was supposed to go on with this holy kiss. Now, culturally, in Hawaii, is, this is what we do, right? And though we do that, let me say this, though, in application to what we're reading here. Let our physical uh, show of aloha, that kiss, be reflected of the agape we have for one another, for each other. Let's not just, oh, you know, embrace, shake hand, or, or kiss on the cheek in here in Hawaii, just because, just oh, this is what we do over here, yeah? No, but let it be for us in the church, let it be really showing that love, showing that forgiveness, showing that unity, and I know some feel, oh, they, you know, I don't know if I can do that. Kind of shy, so I don't really do that. I, I, don't, I don't like to do that. You know what? Step out, yeah? And sacrifice, yeah? Step out and show that unconditional love in that way. I'll tell you, because it can be misunderstood when you're not doing that. It could be misunderstood that you're not loving, that you're not forgiving. Someone said the problem is not too much of this affection we show, but not in enough of it. A lot of times we just put up the wall here. So all in all, what we see here is like the family of Stephanus, Aquila and Priscilla, and all the others, Paul's saying, Paul, we see here, work hard, be devoted to serving and showing love to each other. That's the laboring in love. When we, uh, whether we're serving each other, the way we greet each other, we're to work, we're to be laboring in love. A student at a Bible school in the Philippines became frustrated over the condition of the men's restrooms. It was always dirty, neglected in the cleaning routine. Finally, he took matters into his own hands and he spoke up and he com complained to the principal of the school and then feeling satisfied in venting his feelings, he went on his way. Well, a little while later, the student noticed that the problem was being corrected. But he saw with amazement that the man with the mop and pail in his hand was the principal himself. The student wrote this, I thought that he would call a janitor but he cleaned the toilets himself. It was a major lesson to me on being a servant. And, of course, it raised a question in my own mind as to why I hadn't taken care of the problem. Well, 
Why is it we are the same? Yeah. Why is that? So easy, you know, to criticize and complain about why don't they take care of problems when we're the ones not even working hard. We're the ones that are not serving ourselves. How can we do that? You know what the key is? Love, right? We love each other. We, if we love the Lord, if we really want to show love, you know, we're going to make that sacrifice. We're going to step out. So let me say this to you. Love is the superpower that brings you beyond yourself. That's God. His agape in us. You want superpowers? You get them. It's God's love inside your heart. Just let it out now. All right, number three in our outline, our last heading, we'll close off this book in this chapter. Number three is by looking for the Lord. Be super, be spiritual superheroes. First, number one, by living a life. Number two, by laboring in love. And number three, by looking for the Lord. First Corinthians 16, 21 says, the salutation with my own hand, Paul's. Now, Paul usually dictates his letters while a secretary, someone wrote it down. Maybe he had bad handwriting like me. No, uh, some, maybe it was his eyes or, you know, he, all that, you know, but someone would write it down for him. But here, and as in some other letters, here as he winds down the letter, he comes to a close, he writes the greeting, he writes the salutation, his well wishes with his own hand. And you know why he did that? To make it personal, yeah. It wasn't just a computer letter that was sent to you, but he actually signed it and wrote words from his own hand, from his own heart. So Paul wanted the Corinthian believers to know that he really loved them and personally wanted to say aloha, really, to them. Verse 22, then he says this interesting thing, and remember he's writing in his own hand. Verse 22, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Oh, Lord, come. Whoa, Paul, what? Hey, God bless you guys. And you know, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't love him, you're accursed. You know, oh, Lord, come. What's going on? Well, there's two things here. Okay, first of all, he says, if one does not love the Lord, okay, that lack of love shows really their lostness. So if you don't really love the Lord, then you're accursed. You're not really following the Lord. You're condemned to destruction. It really speaks of God's judgment uh, upon them. So Paul's, Paul's like bringing up in his own hand. He's being serious. He's really putting attention out to, to when they read this letter. Anyone hears of this letter, if they don't know the Lord yet, he's really saying, hey, those who don't really love Jesus only prove that they're under condemnation for their sins. John 3.18 says, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. That's the idea. Well, if you don't really love the light, if you don't really love Jesus, then it's just saying, hey, you're under condemnation. You're a curse. So come to Jesus now. Understand the reality of this. Then the second thing Paul puts here in verse 22 is he simply says, O Lord, come. Now, in the original language, it's actually, the word is maranatha. And it's actually an Aramaic word, which was the common language of that time. And it's this phrase that people would say, the believers would say, and it means, 
oh Lord, come. Or it means like, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So what's Paul saying here? In his own handwriting, he's saying, hey guys, you know what? Those who really do love Jesus can't wait to be with him in his second coming. So you can imagine a lot of the believers going around saying, hey, Maranatha, amen, yeah. Maranatha, Lord, come, that's my heart. Can't wait to be with Jesus. Can't wait for the Lord to come. So Paul's like, hey, in my own handwriting, hey, look, you guys, I'm being serious, reaching out to you. Those who don't really love Jesus only prove they're under that condemnation for your sins. But those who really do love Jesus, oh, can't wait to be with him in his second coming. Maranatha. You know, during the Jesus movement, there was this um, on the side of um, one of the buildings at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, um, there was a, 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 on the side of the building was painted this mural. It's like a, a rainbow. And then above it, or below it, I forget, was the word Maranatha. And it was just, it was taken from right here, this verse. It was all in expectation of the hope that Jesus is coming soon. Oh, Lord, come, I can't wait. And every time I think about that and, and remember the image in my mind, it just warms my heart to think that, oh, soon and very soon we will be with the Lord, yeah? And uh, soon and very soon, you know, the king is going to come and we get to be home with him. And, and I'm jealous of Ken being there because he beat me there. I want to be with Jesus right now because I love him. I have a relationship. It warms my heart, Maranatha. Does it warm your heart? It should. It should warm our hearts. It shouldn't bring us fear and condemnation. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. You know, it should, it should say, oh, Lord, I love you. Do you love Jesus? So here, Paul writes, and, and, and really this is our last point this morning. Here, Paul says, by the continual looking for the Lord's return, it proves your love and desire to be with your Jesus. By the continual looking for the Lord's return, it proves your love and desire to be with Jesus. You be looking for the Lord. You know, spiritual superheroes, they're looking for the Lord. You know, I came across this crazy article the other day, and the title of the article said, End Times Fatigue. It was when the U.S. moved the, their embassy to Jerusalem, yeah, which is, yeah, who recognizing that? Well, one guy who was once a evangel evangelical Christian, now he says he's a post-evangelical Christian or a pro progressive evangelical. He says, oh, we've been through all this before. And I'm thinking, I don't remember this happening before. Yeah. But he's like, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of, of all this end-time prophecy stuff. I think that's sad. I mean, in his disappointment, you know, you find he doesn't believe that anymore. And now it's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. It, I, it won't happen. It probably won't happen, you know, now. I'm thinking it's just like what in Second Peter 3, people are saying, where's the promise? Is Jesus really coming back soon? But then Peter writes, hey, just remember, a day to the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. In other words, Peter says, no, God's going to keep his promise. But I thought, how sad for this guy. Because it's not so much about the prophecies itself. It's about being with Jesus. It's about Maranatha. Oh, Lord, come quickly. I want to be with you. I love you. I can't wait to be with you. That's 
the end goal here. It's not about, ooh, ah, ooh, look at the prophecies coming to pass. I mean, they're exciting. We get chicken skin from it. We see the news and we know, oh, yeah, look, this is just like what the Lord said, just like what's written in the Bible. But that's not the end goal. The end goal is Jesus himself. The end goal is being with the one we love. I like what Vance Havner wrote. The early believers were not looking for something to happen. They were looking for someone to come. And then he wrote this. Looking for the train to arrive is one thing, but looking for someone we love to come on that train is another matter. I love that. That's the idea. That's the picture here. It's about Jesus. That's what it's about. Are you looking for Jesus in his return? Are you longing to be with Jesus? Have you ever thought of God that way, that Jesus, the Lord, God, it's someone we love. It's someone we have a relationship with. It's not just some ritual thing coming to church and all that. No, when we come to church, we come to learn. We we come to to worship God. We come to seek Him. Why? Because we love Jesus. We want to be with Jesus. I tell tell people that, you know, I'm a Christian first and then a pastor second. I want to be in church. I'm not here just because I got to stand up here and talk, talk, right? No, I love the worship. I love His Word. I want to hear from Him. I want to be with Him. I want to spend that time. I want to feel His presence. I want the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to get close to Jesus because I love Jesus. Do you? Have you been cultivating that relationship? Have you? You know, seeing Bible prophecy coming to pass in the end times, it, it should excite us. It should excite us because soon we will be with Jesus. And we should be the ones walking around. Hey, Maranatha, guys, right? Yeah, Maranatha, 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 right? Yeah, Maranatha, right? We should be saying that to each other. Why? Because I love Jesus. And you know what? Jesus is my hero. (laughs) Isn't Jesus your superhero? He is. He's mine. I love him. Verse 23. We come to a close here with this letter. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Paul signs off this letter with a blessing. The grace. Yeah, he wishes grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you guys. And you know, and my love also be with you guys. Paul, Paul's writing in his own handwriting. And you know, here, Paul's love for Jesus, Paul's love for, for these messed up Corinthian church. It's so amazing here, right? God's grace be with you guys. I love you guys, he's saying. Do you remember our theme to this book of 1 Corinthians? Remember? Our theme is getting the church back on track that was paul's theme that's what his main idea for throughout this whole book getting the church back on track and certainly that was paul's loving effort in reaching out to the corinthians and everything he wrote here and in the end he's saying i love you guys i miss you guys may god's grace be with you and then paul he closes this letter and let's say it all together one two three amen Well, we've come to the end of our study in the book of 1 Corinthians. You made it. You made it, guys.
Let me tell you, counting today, is, it's been 39 studies he did in this book. But it's been a great journey. Hopefully, this book has gotten you back on track with your relationship with Jesus. I hope you've grown and realized what a real Christian is about. I hope you can now live that life that Paul has written here, that God is calling us to do. Let me tell you, God is still making spiritual superheroes. There's been many saints who have gone before us. Let's follow in those footsteps. Let's be inspired by them. Let's be inspired by what we learn here in this book, of what Paul is saying today as he closes. Let's be influenced, inspired, and go on and do more and more amazing things that maybe we've never done before, but you know what? You can. Because God is making each one of you, except you, no, each one of you into spiritual superheroes. Just joking. <laughs> he is. Know that. Let's, let's follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Let's follow in the footsteps of those saints who have gone before us. And I want to close with this. Almost three years ago on June 14, 2015, a great saint who, 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 went on, who went before us went home to be with the Lord. Her name is Elizabeth Elliot. She was 88 years old. She was an author, speaker, and most and famous speaker, good speaker. We, I've heard her before and have many of her books. Uh, but she became famous by being the widow of Jim Elliott, who was killed in 1953 when him and his missionary team were reaching out to the unreached Alca tribe in Ecuador. There was a movie years back about it called End of the Spear, right? Which is based on the book she wrote called Through the Gates of Splendor, which is one of my favorite books. And sadly... The very people that Jim Elliot tried to reach for Jesus ended up killing him. Well, the news went out throughout the world, but it influenced so many Christian believers. And all of a sudden, people got to know him, got to know his writings, got to know what he was like. And, and, and what lived on was how he lived his life. And it inspired many believers like me, too. Jim Elliot wrote things like this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He also said, God, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life. May I burn for thee. Consume my life, my God, for it is thine. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. He wrote this years before he, he was uh, killed there in the jungles of Ecuador. And he said this, and I, lo I, I love this. He wrote, saturate me with the oil of the Spirit that I may be aflame. Oh, I, I want to be aflame for God. Don't you? Don't you? Well, the amazing thing after his death was that Elizabeth Elliot, along with her 10-month-year-old daughter, ended up returning to this very tribe, to the area at first. And then God opened up a door where she was able to, to go to that very tribe and that killed her husband. She went back and shared Jesus with them, bringing them to salvation. Amazing. Amazing, amazing woman there. And as I said, there's many books she's authored, but there, there's, her heart has been exposed 
by her writing things like this. Listen to what she wrote. I have one desire now, to live a life with reckless abandon for the Lord, putting all my strength and energy into it. Or she wrote this, fear arises when we imagine that everything depends on us. That's a good one, yeah? And I like this, we cannot give our lives to God and keep our bodies to ourselves. Oh, I love that. So powerful was her life that uh, one writer said she lived these truths, give to get, lose to find, and die to live. That's what I want to be, you guys. I'm still a little kid here wanting to be a superhero. <laughs> but today, as a grown-up, I want to be a spiritual superhero like the Apostle Paul or, or the other apostles or Jim Elliot or, or Elizabeth Elliot here. So let us live like that. Let us be influenced, inspired by them, and then let us make an impact on this dying world, on the, on the lost people around us, on the darkness in there. Let's be a, a flaming light for the Lord. And let us all be spiritual superheroes. Let's pray. Lord, we are here before you, God. Our hearts are stirred, Lord. God, just reading your word and hearing these stories of these saints, God. Lord, we want to be like them. We want to be like Paul here and his, his heart for you. We want to love like them, God. We want to live like them. We want to serve like them, God. We want to put all our effort, God, in, into our 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 lives and in living for you and not ourselves no longer, not this world, not our own things, God, but we want to do what you want and be all that we can in who you want us to be, wherever you have placed us in this life. God, we want to be burning for you, God. We want to have a passion for you and a passion for the lost. We want to spread your news and your truth, God, not just by saying it, but we want to live it, God. So help us, Lord, to become those spiritual superheroes that you want us to be, to go beyond our own limitations and to go beyond our own perspectives, to, to move beyond, Lord, what we think we can do, but all by your might, by your power and might in, inside us, by the empowering of the Holy Spirit, God, by your working and maturing us and growing us and opening our eyes, Lord, and opening our heart. God, may it all be done by your work within us. Lord, it, it started here. It's, it starts now, Lord. It's been going on, but Lord, now we want to make that commitment to do, not just to think about it, not just to make some goals, not, not just to be praying, which we are right now, Lord, but move beyond of just sitting there, but moving forward to doing, Lord, and living. So, Lord, make us out into the men and women of God, Lord, that you have ordained, Lord, before the foundation of the world, that have you have purpose in our heart to be. So create us, Lord, form us, God, and make us, Lord, 
God, we want to be living this life, Lord, and laboring in love and looking, God, for you, our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for each and every person here right now, God, that you would come upon them, fill them with your Holy Spirit, and as we go from this place, that we would go different, renewed, with a new goal, new vision, Lord, moving in the Holy Spirit and doing amazing things as spiritual superheroes should do. In Jesus' name, amen.